honey on my lips. The psalmist said in Psalm 19 verse 10 about the word of God that it is sweeter than honey. Join Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills. Life has a way of dishing out to us things that we did not expect. Sometimes it's a dream that seems to be delayed. Many times you see a man, you know, he has a good job, he's a cool dude, his suit is smart, and you think, when I marry him, everything will be together. The unexpected is unexpected from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it is not unexpected. On Sweet Melodies 94.3, as she puts the honey of God's word on your lips, equipping you for all facets of life this and every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Honey on my lips will change your life, preach good news to the poor, set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, bring recovery of sight to the blind, and proclaim God's year of Jubilee. Honey on my lips. Mmm. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on Sweet Melodies. Blessed by God as you tune in to Lady Reverend Adelaide Pewart Mills. Father, we hallow our time in your presence this morning. We thank you that your word says, Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. We pray that you will manifest yourself to us today. You will speak to us, Lord, and you will change our lives permanently by this word that will come to your people. I ask that you anoint this vessel of clay. I ask that you will sanctify this vessel of clay. And I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, you are the guide, you are the counselor. Have your way and have the preeminence amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to speak about Jesus, your good shepherd. Amen. Jesus, your good shepherd. We can never become shepherds, like Bishop Doug says in his book, if we don't know how to become sheep. Amen? Amen. What do you mean by that? God, yes, is calling us or calls us to shepherd his sheep. But we are also the sheep of his hand, according to Psalm 95, isn't it? Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the sheep of his pasture, isn't it? So even though God is calling you to be a shepherd, it starts with you being a sheep to God first. So Jesus, our good shepherd, John 10 verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now many people will say, well, the good shepherd is the one in charge. The good shepherd is the one that when he speaks, everybody listens. But the first mark of a good shepherd is the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And that is what qualifies Jesus to be a good shepherd. 
because he has given his life for you and I. And for some people who don't even care that he has given his life. He has come to die and some people don't care. And say, Jesus, your own matter, we don't care. But he still gave his life. So the reason why Jesus is our shepherd is because he has these credentials. He is a good shepherd. And then Hebrews 13 verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So the reason why we say Jesus our shepherd is one, because he's a good shepherd and two, because he is a great shepherd of the sheep. Amen. And then the third credential that qualifies Jesus as a shepherd is 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Amen. So Jesus is our good shepherd. He is our great shepherd and he is our chief shepherd. That means that he is the shepherd of shepherds. Amen? So if this is the year of the shepherd, it also shows us that this is the year we are going to be shepherded by God Almighty himself. This is the year you are going to feel that you have a shepherd. That you have a shepherd who cares. That you have a shepherd who looks out for you. That you have a shepherd who holds your life in his hands, that is the good shepherd. Amen. And that brings us to Psalm 23, isn't it? Well, in Ghana, whenever you went to school, you were taught Psalm 23. It was so um, automatic that you, you would learn Psalm 23. I don't know about here. So almost everybody knows Psalm 23. And I pray that it will not be a recitation, but it will be meaningful from this time forth. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, some of us, the Lord is not our shepherd. And for Jesus to be our shepherd, we have to claim him as such. So David said, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd is not my feelings. A shepherd is somebody who cares for you as a sheep. So if you are a sheep and you say, the Lord is my shepherd, it is a proclamation we must make. It is a confession we must make. It is a truth we should hammer that the Lord is my shepherd. But some of us, our feelings are our shepherd. Your feelings take care of you. Your feelings detect, dictate anything that you would do. Your feelings show you the way. Your feelings preach to you. So if you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like coming to church, the shepherd you have is your feelings. And it says it's winter. You don't feel like going to church. But when the Lord is your shepherd, he will say not neglecting the assembling of yourself together as the habit of some of you is. When I read the Bible, I'm so surprised at how well God knows us. Because the book of Hebrews was written a long time ago. How did God know that when it comes to church, you are some way? 
At that time, you hadn't been born, but he knew already how we are. What a mighty God we serve. So the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus must be claimed, must be submitted to, must be lifted up, must be proclaimed, must be owned as your shepherd before you can have the things that he does for us as his sheep. Amen, somebody. Some of us, our shepherd is that foolish girl who is in school with you. She shepherds you fully. And she does not lead you into good places. Some of us, we are our own shepherds. So even though Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, in your life actually, I am my own shepherd. And because I am my own shepherd, I will see to it that I do not want. But when you are your own shepherd, you have a lot of limitations. There are a lot of things you can't do. Many people in the Bible, the centurion, his servant was sick. Somebody else, his, her daughter was grieved with the devil. No matter how much you have, your bank account, you can't do anything if you are your own shepherd. So you need a higher shepherd. You need the chief shepherd. And that chief shepherd is Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then we say, the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord is our shepherd, then he is Lord of lords and the ruler over all. So the person we are choosing to be our shepherd is not a mean person. He is called Jehovah Rophi, the Lord your healer. So in that shepherd, there's healing. He's called Jehovah Chitkenu, the Lord my righteousness. So you don't come in your own righteousness, but you come through the blood in, to access God. And because he's your shepherd, you have access to the most high. Even you mortal men, even me, when people are coming to look for me, I am not difficult to see, but there are a lot of people to see me. One of my assistants is here. She can bear record. A lady said to me, one of our lady pastors, she said that, you don't see me because every Sunday when I open the door and I see the crowds, I just retreat. So it's not that I am difficult to see, but it is that there is a long queue and therefore they have to schedule you. Okay, you come on Tuesday. You can, even in an entity like me, but God Almighty, you don't need a rendezvous. You don't need an appointment. You just go because he's your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd because in the Lord, he is all-knowing. You, you don't know everything, but God knows everything from the past to the present to the future. You see, yesterday was my birthday. And when I woke up in the morning... And I hear it's your pastor's birthday today. January bonds are special. Anyway. When I woke up in the morning, I was looking at the chapters of my life. As I was praying. At a point, I just began to weep. Because I felt that we are really midgets in, in God's hand. Because 
you see, how did God do this? How did he do this? I didn't know Bishop Doug and then somebody who was to, supposed to be my roommate didn't become my roommate. She became somebody else's roommate. So I went to that room because she was my best friend and Bishop Doug also had a sheep there and so we met in that room. So that lady not becoming my roommate was orchestrated by a greater shepherd. And that is why you must allow the Lord to be your shepherd. Amen. God is all-knowing, all-seeing. Eh? Your husband will say, I will pick you up from Clearwater Mall at 2 o'clock. And as he's coming, a car is spoiled on the way. There's traffic. This has happened. And he's not able to come. Not that he's a bad man, but he has limitations. But this shepherd has no limitations. Whatever he has said, he's able to perform it. And that is why the Lord, not yourself, and your small knowledge, even school. My husband says that even school, even medical school, when you write, you get 50% and it's passed. Which shows that you don't know 50%. So you are a very dangerous person to depend on yourself for your life. Amen. And that is why Jesus should be your shepherd. Amen, somebody. The Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is our shepherd in 2020, we shall not want. I shall not want. Amen. That is what David said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now the Bible says in um, Psalm 50, Reading from verse 10, it says about God that a cattle on a thousand hills, they are his. The silver and the gold, they are his. And God says, I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. All the animals at Kruger Park, Zimbabwe, they are his. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine. And the fullness thereof. Amen. Verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills. He's not saying one, two, three, four thousand. He's trying to say that. Hills that you cannot number. The silver and the gold, they are mine. So when he says you shall not want... It's not dependent on your bank account. It's not dependent on who you know. It's not dependent on your connections. It is he who makes the connections work. Amen. And because he's your shepherd. You see, if I were the one writing, the first thing I'll say would not be, I shall not want. I'll say, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, you shall worship. You shall be righteous. You shall... You know, every time I look at our Father which art in heaven, I'm surprised that the first thing God establishes is his relationship with us, not our righteousness. You know, he just says, Jesus said, when you are praying, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven. I'm like, wow, the relationship is more important to him. And then further down, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive. But man will say, pray about your sins first. Because you are not worthy to stand before him. And the first thing God does is provision. I shall not want. 
you shall not want materially. Amen. When Bishop Doug, the prophet, was leading us to pray, he led us to Isaac, Genesis 26, and said that, and Isaac waxed strong, and he became great, and he went forward, and he grew, and that is the I shall know one type of God. Not sprinkles of blessings, but thunderstorms of blessings. That is the God who is your shepherd. Now what I see is that a lot of modern day Christians don't pray about their needs. A lot of modern day Christians in our church, they look around at which pastor can help me after church? Which businessman in church can help me? Which uncle or relative do I have? But we don't go first to the shepherd who says you shall not want. We are very like the world because those are the channels the world looks to to bless them. But if God is your shepherd and he's saying that he is a provider, then he's the first person you should go to for your school fees, for your financial situation, for your joblessness, but you rather look and say, okay, he's a manager here. If I talk to him, then he can do this and he can do it. But like Joseph, you may talk to the person, but the person will forget about you for two years. It takes God. I shall not want. Let us learn to come to God for our needs. God is not against our material needs. He just says, seek me first. And I'll add everything. And we don't believe it. We say, oh, no, 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 no. How can I be seeking God first? When I do the math, it doesn't add up. It can't be that you seek him first, that he adds all other things to you. But I think that I am, I am an example of God's faithfulness. Because when my husband was coming full time, he sat with her and he told me that, number one, we are going to be poor if that is what it means to obey God. Number two, he doesn't think we'll travel much because the church, you know, there's no Ubuntia inside. And even the people, they need our money more than we need, you know. But then we'll just trust God and we'll go one day at a time. And as we have gone one day at a time, God has blessed. God has blessed. Amen. Even things that are not in our prayer topic, we never pray that we should have 3,000 branches. We never pray that we should be in every country because we didn't even know that it was possible. But obedience step by step makes you international. Amen. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Learn to pray about your needs. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I pray for my children. I mean... My son was in the States, right at the American exam, medical exam. I was always praying for him. And then when it came to a program, you read many things. Oh, Native Americans got this percentage. This one got, and he's also not a Native American. But in all of it, I'll just be praying. I'll say, God, it's time for them to have programs. I know that you are able. Please open doors. Please do this. And God is faithful. Today, he's working doing a residency in America because you shall not want. You don't know God's methods, let me say. It doesn't mean that God will not use people, but you can choose how, where, in which way, whatever. So the Lord is your shepherd. 
So in 2020, Jesus, your shepherd, will be your helper. He'll be the one to supply. He'll be the one to give you. Why don't you go to the one who has a cattle on a thousand hills, the silver and the gold, but you depend on yourself, your connections, your family, at a point, it doesn't work. Because of him, you shall not want. Provision is coming your way in 2020. Amen. He leadeth me beside still waters. Still waters denote perfect peace. The Christians of today don't know what peace is. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Peace is also a fruit of the Spirit, but a lot of us don't have peace because the shepherd is not in his place in our lives. Amen, somebody. He leadeth me beside still waters. It's a sign of calmness. The second sign that Jesus is going to lead you is calmness, restfulness, and assurance. Amen, somebody. When you look at Hebrews 10, Hebrews 4, verse 10, it talks about a certain rest. Amen, somebody? Hebrews 4, read it from... He that is entered into his rest, he also had ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. When Jesus is leading you, he will lead you by still waters, not troubled waters. Peace and calmness is a sign that the shepherd is active in our lives. And the Bible is saying, let us labor to enter into that rest. Because most of us are used to self-help projects. So even to rest, you have to labor to enter, but you are not used to resting. Everything is anxiety. Everything is calculation. Even sleep, you don't sleep. Whereas the Bible says, he giveth his beloved sleep. The Bible says it is useless to wake up early and to go to bed late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so, he giveth his beloved sleep. Then I was reading on BBC that if you don't have adequate sleep, some of you to your sleep is over. That one is slothfulness. It affects your health and it brings so many health challenges I was reading. It's like something they have discovered. And I said, wow, my shepherd, he gives rest. His gifts is beloved. If you are his beloved, he gives you rest. Amen. And he says that, you see, the world is fast-paced. Anxiety, move here, do this, be troubled about this. Will this work? Will, that, will he marry me? Will, that, will the marriage work? Will he the Bible says, labor to enter into that Amen. It means that entering into that rest is work. And you have to labor to enter into that rest. 
And the sign that you have entered is that he that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen. So Jesus, our shepherd, will lead us by still waters. Still. Waters that you can drink and not be afraid. If you read the signs of the sheep in this book, Bishop says that, I mean, from scientific knowledge and all that, sheep don't go where the water is not calm and everything is muddied and disturbed. And some of us, that is why we should vow in 2020 not to be the ones who will destroy the stillness of the water of the shepherd by our misbehavior in the church. He leads his sheep by still waters. Amen. He leadeth me by still waters. And then what is the next one? No. Are you sure? Green pastures. He maketh me to lie down before even the waters. In green pastures. God's word is green pastures. He's been trying to make you lie down. In the midst of his word, but not you. There's more radio in your life than the word of God. You see, we we live in a pressure cooker world. And it's very difficult if you do not um, fight it to actually be able to lie down in green pastures. Because so many things are calling your attention. Sometimes it's a very bad idea to have your Bible on your phone. Because sometimes I have my Bible on my phone, then the things are dropping. Mommy, please, should we do this? Okay, let me respond. Before you respond, and then another, and then another. I said, wow, we are in a fight. Emails, agency, but it's a lie from the enemy. Because when the powerhouse is in place, other things will fall into place. Amen. He maketh me to lie down. Green pastures. The word of God, podcast, preaching, and then your own personal Bible study. Even when you are listening to podcast, when you hear a verse, go and check it out and receive also an extra revelation from it. That's green pastures. And God wants you to lie in green pastures because as sheep, that is your sustenance. If you don't have green pastures, you cannot do well and you will not grow. Amen? So the shepherd is leading us to green pastures in 2020. So may your pastures not be brown. In Job 23 verse 12, Job says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He's trying to say God's word is more important to me than pap. God's word. If he's the one leading you, he will lead you into green pastures. And as I was meditating, I said, wow, God, even the pastures, you have prepared it. We just have to go and lie in it. We don't have to even prepare it. You have prepared the green pastures for us. And you are leading us to the place where the, and we say, no, I like the brown. I like the half brown, half green. I like the parched place and he's leading you come 
My word is green pastures. Come. It will help you grow. He sends forth his word to heal. It will heal you. Come. Come. It will restore your soul. Come. He said, no. I like this one because it's near. Jesus, our shepherd, may he be able to lead us in green pastures. Amen. He restoreth my soul. Your soul is your intellect, your emotions, your will. Why would God have to restore something if it will not be battered and old? You can never have restoration without a loss. And as we walk on in this life, we will suffer losses of many things. Sometimes you suffer the loss of a friendship. Sometimes you suffer the loss of some closeness. Sometimes you suffer even the loss of a loved one due to something that has happened. Sometimes you suffer the loss of a marriage. You can suffer the loss of so many things. But the good news is that he restores. Amen. He restoreth my soul. So as he's leading you, it's not even necessarily that it is your prayer topic. But because he is your shepherd, your soul gets restored. Amen. You are listening to Honey on My Lips with Lady Reverend Adlai Thawad Mills. Stay tuned in. Every great person has had to go through a personal wilderness. A place where you feel forsaken, sometimes even by God himself. Moses, David, Abraham, even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all had wilderness experiences. What has kept their names through posterity was their ability to survive their personal wildernesses. Are you going through a wilderness of your own? Let this all-time powerful message, Surviving Your Wilderness, by God's handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills, ministered to you the grace not only to walk through, but to come out a victor from your own wilderness. Welcome back. If you are part of humanity, like Catherine Coleman says, you by all means reach a place where you need some restoration from the shepherd. David said in Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Sometimes even the joy of your salvation, you lose it. You are not happy about your salvation anymore. Sometimes the joy of ministry, you lose it. Sometimes the way people behave, the joy of your calling, it goes through the window. When you see that, you say, nowadays me, I fear human beings. Nowadays me, I don't give myself to people because people are some way. You need restoration. You go through a relationship, you say, fear woman and live long. What it is is that your soul has been destroyed. Sometimes you hear things about yourself, you cannot believe it. A friend of mine was going to court for divorce. And she was saying, oh, it will be over by this. I said, wow, really? Let me tell you one thing. When you go to the court and the things are pleaded about you, you wonder if it's you. And she said, Sister Mami, what do you mean? I said, when you hear the words, you will not believe that it's you. But she didn't get it. 
So I traveled outside Ghana to preach. And she called me. I said, what is I'm just from God. I said, what the things I've heard? One. My husband says that he left the house because he was afraid I would poison him. And it wasn't true. He had left to go and live with another woman. I said, he was afraid that I would poison him. Number two. He said that he didn't feel safe in the marriage because I sleep with small, small boys and I come home and the wee hours of the morning. She was going, it's all not true. I said, hey, it's his word, the Bible. She said, what do you mean? I said, when a man's word is the Bible, that's when the word does not pass away. Heaven and earth will about my word. But a human being's word is not the Bible. So you better concentrate on the Bible. Otherwise, you lose it. And I said, you need a restoration of your soul. This one court you have got, it has now begun. <laughs> your soul will be battered so much that you will need a restoration. No surgeon can do the restoration. No orthopedic surgeon, he does bones. It was Elaine. You were doing heart. Did you see anybody restoring any souls? But when Jesus is your shepherd, he restores your soul. Amen. I believe there are a lot of soulish diseases. I'm even doing a sermon on it. Disability. Disabled people. Disabled emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. Broken. That's what the Bible says. A broken spirit. A broken spirit. And only God can restore. But that is if he's your shepherd. Some of you, your shepherd is the pain. Your shepherd is the offense. Therefore, Jesus cannot come in there and restore your soul. Sometimes I do counsel and I can see that the situation is impossible. You understand? And I tell the person, I say that this one, you need a miracle. Me, I'm a pastor, I don't have an answer. Even as a lawyer, I don't have an answer. But I know somebody we can depend on. So, oh, Lady Reverend, everything is wrong. Everything. I said that, yes. It's a prophecy. So what do you mean? I said, he said that he will give you beauty for ashes. So the thing must burn and not exist again before he can give you beauty. He restores my soul. If it was not the restorer, I don't think I'll be standing here preaching to you today. Because I've also had my heart aches in ministry. People that I've poured my life into and what I've gotten back, it has not been encouraging. People who didn't know they are left to their rights. And you tell them, do this, do this, do this. Now when they feel that they have been promoted, it's not easy. And so you can easily say, you know, this type of pouring out into people so that later they become some way. I'll just lead my life. After all, my plate is full. I'm not now going to take somebody's problems to make my own. Sister, your soul has been destroyed and you need a restoration. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 verse 25, I believe. I just want you to go back and meditate on these things. And the Lord will give you understanding. Amen. Joel 2.25, very popular, but it's not a poem. 
I will restore to you the years. The years. Some of you, the things that have happened or you have lost are for years. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. The canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. My great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that had dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Your small life that you came to. Look at the attacks. Locusts. Kanka worm. Palma worm. Caterpillar. Small you. Look. How long have you lived for? But God saw it. And he's saying, I will restore. How? He doesn't tell us how. Because he is God. If you were asking God, okay, we are the children of Israel. When we get to the Jordan... Can you construct a bridge in five seconds? God, how are you? Because all that we know is that to cross a river or even the sea, it is a bridge, helicopter, or something. But you haven't thought about it, that he can make a highway in the sea. He restoreth my soul. Some of you offense in the church, so you have cooled off. Bible says, cares to see who doeth the work of God slothfully or deceitfully. You see, your, your hand is there, but you are not really. And then you see people, you say that, mm, you, you have not come in. That's why your zeal is so much for this shepherd. We, we have been here for some years. So, and we have seen certain things. What it is, is that you need a restoration of your soul for 2020. And thank God, it doesn't depend on you and I, but the good shepherd will do that work in our lives. He restoreth my soul. Amen. Hmm. What is the next one? He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is something that is not talked about in churches anymore. No righteousness, no holiness, God is merciful. God is gracious. It's true. But God is so merciful that he cannot leave you like that. The Bible says in Titus 2.40, The grace of God which bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying all ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously in this life. So yes, the grace of God has come. It has forgiven us. It has brought salvation. But it's also teaching you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Now, the type of lust Christians are operating, even the world doesn't have that. Amen? I was in Switzerland not long ago, and I told them, I'm going to preach about diverse lusts. And I did, because we saw different types of lusts in the Bible. He leads you. If every time you are walking in sin continuously, it's your way of living, I don't think the shepherd is in your life. Because God will never lead you not to have a conscience. Your conscience will prick you. But the Bible says that when you go on and on and on, and you are used to it, your conscience becomes seared. And God cannot reach you. He leads us in the paths of holiness and righteousness. Do you know why? God is not like, oh, don't do this, and don't do that. But he knows that, Sin is like a cancer. 
and is destructive. And he knows that it will destroy you. So it is out of his interest for you. He's trying to preserve your life. He's not trying to stop you from enjoying life. Amen? But Christians don't have self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit, but because the shepherd is not there, so there's no self-control. It's other things have to control you. But self-control means you, yourself. Zip your trousers, yourself. Zip your skirt, yourself. Don't go to that corner, yourself. He will lead you in paths of righteousness. When I was beloved, it wasn't my husband. He didn't say, oh, I'm a very spiritual man. So when I see you, I don't feel like holding you. I don't, he didn't say that. He said that now that we are beloveds, we have to establish certain things going forward. And I'm like, really? Certain things like what? He said, we have to know the things we will not do. It's not that when you are crying, I'm also comforting you. They'll say, shall I kiss you? Say, mm. <laughs> Let's see what God thinks. Shall I hold you? <laughs> yes. And then, look, you are not a stone. And the Bible says, make straight paths for your feet. So why are you going there into that dark corner? Why are you watching what you are watching? And then after that, you have to fulfill it. Why are you putting yourself under that pressure? He leads me. The Bible says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the lust of the flesh is there. But the fulfillment, if you walk here, you cannot walk here because you are walking here. So he leads you. He leads you. He will lead you in the paths of righteousness. We worry ourselves. The body already has its problems. Then you are giving it more fodder, more food. Why? Why? Turn to the next brother and say, all foolishness goes out. And the sisters too. You know exactly what you are doing. And you pretend you don't know. <laughs> brother, whatever. I am so grateful that God brought you my way. You are sprinkling it with spirituality. But like the strange woman, you know exactly what you are doing. But if it's the shepherd that's leading you, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And do you know why the Bible says, for his name's sake. God told David, after Bathsheba, because you have allowed the heathen to blaspheme my name, because of that, one, the baby will not live. Two, your own family will take your own wives and sleep with them in the open. Three, the sword will never depart from you. Your children will kill each other. God forgave him, but all these things happened. For his name's sake. His reputation is important to him. Even we mortal men, we have in the law of thought, we say that when somebody speaks about you, publishes things about you, and lowers your hard-earned reputation, in the eyes of the general public, it is actionable. You sue the person. Because a reputation is a hard thing to build. Amen? So when you sally God's name, he's also not amused. 
But isn't it nice that he doesn't say, go, this is the way of righteousness, walk into it. But he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus, our great shepherd. Amen. We are running to the finishing line. Leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. Hallelujah. When you read Psalm 34 verse 19, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. I don't like that verse much. I wish it would say few. Because when he leads you in the paths of the righteous and all that, there should be a reward. But in spite of all this, you shall not want, you will be led by still waters, green pastures. He will lead you in the paths of righteousness. The valley is part of your life as a Christian. That's why David said, though, even though, it means the contrary is happening. So yea, though I walk through the valley, and the valley is not enough, through the valley of the shadow. Shadows are dark things. And something can cast a shadow on you only when it's near. So the shadow of death means you are very near to death, to disaster, to darkness. Even though the Lord is your shepherd. You are walking through a valley. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. There's no Christianity without a test. There's no Christianity without difficulties. People say, Lady Reverend, so do you cry? I cry. But as I get older, my tears are becoming few by the grace of God. But I still cry. And still, things still hurt me. And still things disappoint you and things you don't know what to do. You are walking in the valley of the shadow of death. But I am happy that it is a walk and not a sleeping. You don't have to sleep in the valley of the shadow of death. You have to keep walking. Even when you can't see him and you don't know what to do, trust his heart. That he has a good heart. Amen. Sometimes you don't even understand anything. You say, Lord, I don't understand. Sometimes I get to that place. I say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know what to do. But I'll just hold on to your promises. Your promises that you will give beauty for ashes. Your promises are with God. All things are possible. I don't see how. But that's what your word says. So give me grace to endure. That's all I need. Amen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you sisters, you thought that you were marrying a Christian. So you wouldn't cry. Before you know you are walking in the shadow of death. Nobody goes to the altar expecting bad things. Nobody goes to the altar expecting incurable diseases for the other spouse. But you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I've come to the place where I've wondered. I said, God, this ministry, I would like to resign. And the Lord said, Why? I said, Lord, the problem is not with you, but people don't behave well. People don't behave well. And then sometimes to Lord, 
when they are doing things, they forget you because you are the bishop's wife. Do you understand? You are an extension of your husband, so they forget you. So everybody else, when I first came full time, everybody has an office, everybody, only you. You don't have an office, nobody remembers. And then you look and I say, ah. But when I was working as a lawyer, I had messengers, secretaries. Now, not only are they gone, I also don't have an office. And when I'm saying it, they are taking me to the last part of the queue. Oh, Lord, I resign. <laughs> I resign. And I went to my closet and the Lord said, who called you? I was crying. <laughs> who called me? I have to think about it. Was it Bishop Doug who called me? <laughs> and I said, Lord, you called me. He said, so if I called you, can you just get up and say, you are resigning? I said, Lord, I can't. That's the painful part. But I want to show them where power lies. You see, when I leave here, I will go and apply to be a judge. Oh, make some noise, somebody. And I will wear my court of appeal robes. And then when I'm coming to the court, you see these people, when I'm coming to the church, they don't even see I'm coming. You see, but when I'm coming to the court, they will knock the governor. Her ladyship, Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills, presiding. And then I walk. Call rise. And nobody sits when the judge has not sat. So when I stand to face like this, all the lawyers, including those who are my mates, will bow. Then I'll sit down. And they will call, Republic against. Then when I feel I'm tired, say, all rise, I'm going to recess. Be there. And then I will see these lighthouse pastors. I pray that they come to that court. And when they say all rise, they will all go. But it's God who called you. And you are not your own. You are a sheep. And it's the shepherd that leads you. So even when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't fear evil. Not because you are Tarzan, but because he is with you. His presence makes all the difference. And in 2020, no matter if it's the valley of the shadow of death, it's good that it's a walk. It's not a sleeping, it's not a lying, it's not a staying there, it's just a stage, it's just a season, it will come to an end, and he's with you. Even people who profess to love you cannot go through everything with you. Even men sometimes don't understand women. And even women don't understand men. That's why when your husband says, sister, Bless me this evening. Oh, I'm tired, I'm tired. You don't understand what he is going through. And some people come for counsel and they say, Mommy, this small thing, he's angry with me. He won't talk to me for three days. I say, hey, it's not a small thing. But God, your shepherd walks with you through it. He says, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. So though I walk through the valley, God has called you, yes, but you walk through a valley. God has chosen you, yes, but you walk through a valley. In the shadow of death, it will be so frightening. It will look like death is so close, but it's only a shadow, sister. It's only a shadow, brother. Because he's with us, we will not fear. Fear cripples you. 
Fear is defined as false evidence appearing real. False evidence. The thing looks real, but it's just fear. And God banishes fear by his presence in our lives. And we must always remember that when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. Amen. I'll fear no evil because you are with me. The shepherd's constant companionship, watch, and protection. Where were we? Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff. As he's walking with you, he's not unarmed. He has a rod and he has a staff. The staff is his authority. And also, to, it's rounded like this so that he can pull you away from dangerous places. And then the rod is for correction and to face people who want to destroy you. It's to ward off the enemy. So as he's walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death, death, you say you will not fear because he's with you. But he's not just with you. He's with you holding his rod and holding his staff. And that should be a comfort to you as a child of God. Amen. His rod and staff, they comfort me. He doesn't only use a staff. Sometimes the rod is to also beat the sheep into place. You are going and say, no, no, come on, back it up, this way. And some of you don't want any, any rod. In the church, we should always praise you. Sister Shawanda, we are blessed that you came to church this morning. But Sister Shawanda, God is very lucky that you sing in the choir. Sister Shawanda, if we didn't have you, we would be nowhere. Sister Shawanda, even your children, you don't always give them ice cream because they will not grow well. So sometimes they have to eat strong meat and they have to go through tough times. The toddler is working, falling down, but you don't say because of that, don't walk. The toddler must grow and you too must grow in the things of God. His rod and staff should not be a point of anger a point of frustration, a point of rebellion and disobedience, but it should rather be a comfort to you that it gives me security. You see, people who have never been corrected, who have never, never been disciplined, when they grow up, their lives are some way and they become useless in society and God cannot leave you that way. So his rod and his staff, they comfort you. Thou preparest a table before me. You are not the one going to prepare the table in 2020. Amen. You don't even have to look for the table. He will prepare it. And he knows what to put on the table. My husband used to preach this and he would say, your enemies will be around you and you tell Satan, pass me the salt, please. <laughs> I don't know why God seems to like setting you up in the presence of your enemies. Every time he does a victory or something, your enemies are around you. I think that one of the reasons is for it to humble us to know that if it were not for the Lord on our side, we would not be here. So he prepares a table. When you go through the valley, if you stay there, how will you be available to sit at that table? If you sleep there, how will you be available to sit at the table? If you throw in the towel, how will you see another chapter in another season of your life? But he's taking you through the valley. And at the end of the valley, a table is prepared for you. 
in the presence of your enemies. The Bible says, I'll make your enemies a footstool. Those who despise you shall come and bow down at your feet. Your enemies shall serve you. So they have to be around so that they can serve you and also see, some people say, let me live long so that my enemies will see what God has made out of me. You know? So he will prepare a table before us, but in the presence of our enemies. You will never have an enemy-free world until Jesus comes and Satan will be bound. But before then, your enemies will be around you, but you will eat fully and you will not be worried because you have come through the shadow of death with him and you know that he's faithful. He prepares a table before you in contrary situations, in enemical situations, in enemy territory. That's why Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God turned around for good. So sometimes don't be too afraid that this person did this, it's so evil, and what will I do? God uses that raw material to work out something for your good. Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. The brothers thought, away with him, let him be in prison, let him be sold to slaves. Then when he went, Potiphar's house, small respite, after that prison. But when he looked at it, he saw that, if I had not gone to this prison, I would not have met anybody from the palace. Anybody. And I would not be, have been able to know Pharaoh's dream. So God has to make a way to Pharaoh. Unfortunately, it's through the valley of the shadow of death. Through the prison. Because he ministered to the baker and the butler. So there's a connection there. And then when one is killed, and the one that survives goes back to the palace, and he sees the king every day because he serves the king. And then the king comes with a problem, and it's a dream. He says, ah, I met somebody in prison. Who helped me? If you don't go there, how can you have a connection to the palace? Amen? He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I've come to the point where even if some things are frightening, undesirable, I don't want them, but I don't think that it's the end of the world. I think there's a raw material for God to do something. I don't know what, but it's a bad thing. But God himself knows how. And that brings us to Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good. All things are not good, oh. The stew with the pap sold by the roadside, the tomatoes are rotten. It's not good. But when they balance everything with the bohebilinama, it works. So all things may not be good, but they work together for our good. Amen. He prepares a table before me. Thou anointest my head with oil. The Bible says, let your head not lack oil. Amen. Oil is a sign of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every step of the way. So when you read the book of Acts, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the place shook, and they prayed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the place shook, and they did this, and then the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the book of Acts all the time. Were the disciples not filled from the day they received tongues? They were. But as you go on, you always need a replenish. And that anointing comes from association with the shepherd. It is the shepherd who anoints you. You don't anoint yourself. His presence anoints you. It sets you apart and it makes you do things with ease. 
even serving God with ease, certain trials with ease. And then people ask you, hey, Auntie Mary, how do you go through all this? And you don't even understand. And then you say, it's the grace of God. And then some people say to me, hey, this grace, hey, then this grace, we need some. Hey, 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 grace, hey, then this grace. But it is also actually an anointing. Whatever God calls you for, I believe he anoints you. Lady Reverend, why do you say that? Because in Colossians, the Bible says he has called us according to his purpose and his grace. So what his purpose is, he gives you grace for. Amen? And that comes from tarrying in his presence. When you tarry in God's presence, the Holy Spirit fills you. And you become anointed. Not only just to preach, but even kings needed to be anointed to do what they did. Prophets needed to be anointed. Priests were anointed. Seers were anointed. Different people. God anoints you for whatever it is his purpose is for your life. You anoint my head. And when my husband was preaching this sermon, he also said that your head who leads you should be anointed. Especially unmarried sisters and brothers. You choose unanointed heads. And you, you think that it will be okay. When the head doesn't work, the legs and everything, they work in the wrong places. Just because the head is not working. So the type of head you have affects the rest of the body. So if you have not married, and the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Oh, as for me, whatever, whatever. Look, the anointed head ensures that your feet don't walk one year, one day. Amen. Thou anointest my head with oil. One of the things I believe God has personally led me to do is to constantly pray for my husband. Because when the head is anointed and it's on properly, the arms and the feet and everything, it will work. You know, and I think that it's my personal belief that because you are a spouse, you know more about your husband or your wife. And therefore, your prayers are more directional. And so he doesn't know that I intercede for him. But I do. All the time. Thou anointest my head, the one over me, with oil. That anointing affects the rest of the body. Amen. When Rebecca was barren, the Bible says, and Isaac entreated God for Rebecca. How many husbands will pray for a, a, a wife's problem? Huh? I leave it to you. And then my cup runs over. When Jesus is our shepherd, and he, he is in 2020, he doesn't give piecemeal things. He doesn't give you crumbs. Do you understand? He gives your cup, and your cup runs over. God is not stingy like you. God is not miserly and calculating like you. When he makes your cup run, it runs over. But why does it run over? So that it can flow to others. God told Abraham, I have blessed you so that you will be a blessing. But some of you, your life, your blessing is only you. Your prayer is only you. Your everything is only you. Your, your thoughts is only you. There's nobody who comes, oh, how can I bless this sister? How can I? Your blessing is only you and your family. That's not what God does. He said, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. So when you have an overflowing cup, it's so that it will flow to other people. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over.
finally, surely, not perhaps, not maybe, not if God is happy, not if things work out, surely means surely, surely means surely. The believer must be sure about the promises of God, surely, goodness, goodness, not curses, not evil, but goodness, the good shepherd produces goodness. Goodness is also said to be a fruit of the spirit. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, goodness. Goodness. It is God's nature and he imparts it to us also. So goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. You see, when people give you things, it's not every day. When people help you, in fact, when you go every day, they will say, hmm, now they will start to hide from you because every day you are coming. But as for God, his goodness and mercy, it follows you all the days of your life. 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 Goodness and mercy. When I met my husband in the university, I didn't like him at all because he was over spiritual. I didn't know him so well, but through that, my friend, I knew him. And then when we were working together, we meet him in the girls' hall. Hello, Sister Atlas. Hello, Brother Doug. And then he'll say, how are you? I said, I'm okay. Thank you. How are you? Goodness and mercy. They are following me. They cannot leave me. They are following me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. I shut the door and they are coming from under. I open the window and they are coming through. Oh, goodness. And, ah, one hello. That's I've come to say. I said, oh, this is too much. <laughs> it's too much. And even when we got over that chapter and later we became beloved, every time he was writing his name in his Bible, he would write, Dag, success. He was meals. Why is that? Because God will make me successful. In whatever he calls me to do, make me successful. Then when we assisted that he would be doing this, then he would do some dots. I said, what are you doing? A millionaire signature. I'll be signing big checks. I'll be signing big checks. So I have to do the signature. So that you know, and it has come to pass. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. When you are following the shepherd, it's not curses, it's not disaster, it's not destruction. It is goodness and it is mercy. And it follows you all the days of your life. Even when things are dark. Goodness and mercy are following you. Amen. Lady Reverend, what is mercy? The Bible says about mercy in the book of James, mercy triumphs over judgment. So sometimes when people can say, Lady Reverend, he did this. And he did. I said, it's true. The judgment is there. But let mercy come and jump over the judgment. The Bible says it is of his mercies that we are not consumed. One of the my favorite prayer topics every day I ask him for mercy because even when you think you are not wrong you may be wrong when you think you are not wrong even you have done the sin it has become normal so you, you don't even know but every time I'm praying I say Lord not because of anything but because you are a merciful God rich in mercy and abounding in steadfast love because the Bible says it is of his mercies that we are not consumed and every time Paul wrote he says grace 
mercy and peace be multiplied unto you through God our Father. Goodness and mercy shall follow you in 2020. All the days of your life. Even when you don't know what to do, let's say, cover me with your mercy. Cover my home with your mercy. Cover my children with your mercy, Lord. Because goodness and mercy is your promise when you are my shepherd. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord sometimes when the weather is good, when things are going well, when the pastor is not annoying me, when the pastor's wife treats me well, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let the house of the Lord be a place for you. The house of the Lord is also the presence of the Lord. Our bodies are the temple of God, so his presence is with us. But the house of the Lord literally is also his church. And I have come to see that God does so many things through the church. And I am afraid of the church, like the body of Christ, and the power and what it can do for you in your life. You have no idea. How could God sit down and create such an amazing thing called the church? And yet you don't come. You are not active. You run shifts. Today you are here. Tomorrow you are somewhere else. You are not the planting of the Lord. If a plant is here every day, you are moving it. How can you have roots? But in 2020, when the good shepherd is leading you, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. No matter the heartache. No matter the pain. No matter the confusion. No matter the things you don't understand. How human beings can behave. You will dwell in the house of the Lord. Because there's no perfect church. The church was perfect. When you joined it, it became imperfect. Amen? Every family has its challenges. But when the shepherd is leading you, it will all work out for your good. Amen. Father, we stand on your word. You have said that you restore our souls. David prayed and he said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I pray for every hand lifted up and represented here. I pray for anything that the enemy has stolen, has killed, has destroyed, or that they have lost through their own folly. I pray that by your mercy and by your grace, restoration will come. Restore families, restore homes, restore lives, restore the mind, restore souls, restore spirits that are broken. Oh, thou who art a restorer, bring them to that place like you did Naomi, where she said, he has become a restorer and a nourisher to me. May that be their story. Turn their morning around. Fight their battles for, her, for them. Battles both seen and unseen. Let the legions of heaven fight for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, Father, I leave your blessing in this place. I pray for your peace. I pray for unity. I pray for unity and strength. I pray for growth. I pray for a going forward. For waxing great and doing greater works than never before. Keep your church together that all men may know that they are called because they will have love one for another. Let there be miracles here. Let your power be manifest here. Let salvation be preached here. And let Christ and the Holy Spirit always have the preeminence here. Keep your people, Lord. Fight their battles for them. Don't give them as prey to the teeth of the enemy. But even in the valley of the shadow of death, lead them to tables that are laid 
in the presence of their enemies. May their head as a church never lack oil. And give them the humility to always be led by you, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, and the good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to Honey on My Lips with Lady Reverend Adelaide Lord Mills. Stay tuned in. Praise the Lord and welcome to the question and answer segment of this program. I realize during my conferences and even after that we all come and we have questions, we have dilemmas, and we have issues. Everybody has issues no matter who you are. The woman with the issue of blood was not the only woman with issues. Hers was an issue of blood, but we have issues in all our lives. And I am no wise sage or any super woman, but I know by experience. For the Bible says, I have learned by experience, you know. So I know ex- by experience that the Bible has the answer. That the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in a very dark and dreary world. And it is the counsel of God that by his grace I seek to bring to the people of God. I have no wisdom of my own, but only the wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that comes from the word of God. Therefore, let us just relax Trust in the Holy Spirit to bring us answers. Trust in the Holy Spirit to be a wonderful counselor in this segment. And trust God to bring us answers. Beloved, I am not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. blessed as you listen. How do I figure out God's plan for my life? The art of hearing by Bishop Doug Ewart Mills will show you how to figure out God's plan for your life. God leads us in various ways. Sometimes he leads us by directed paths, but he can lead you by directed paths only when you have done the first part, which says, I know your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. And Bishop gives the example of going to an airport. And sometimes the place has been cordoned off. You can't go through there. So God leads us sometimes that way. You get to a place, it's cordoned off this place. You have no other way to go than to go to gate 17 this way. Do you understand? So director path, God leads us by his word. There are different types of voices. And none of them is without signification. It's all in the art of hearing. So I encourage you to get the book and it will help you to know how to know God's plan for your life. But let me say that if you are not faithful in little things, God is not ready to show you big things. He had called Paul and he said that I will show you how much you must suffer for my name and all that. But he didn't give him the mandate to preach to Gentiles immediately. 
He had to just join the disciples, be amongst them, be put in a basket, be lowered, and all that before with time he became an apostle. Usually that's how God leads. Even Jesus, he didn't just bring him and say, save the world. He lived for 30 years. It's after 30 that he was released into his real ministry. So usually that is how God would lead you. And I pray that just as you buy things to enhance your body, you will go and get this book because it will change your life. Amen. Why do we say praise and worship? I always do worship and praise. According to scripture, what is the right order? God is not a God of rigidity. And so when he says praise and worship, he doesn't mind which one comes first. So far as it is done. Amen. So maybe we say praise and worship, but it should be worship and praise. So you arrange it whichever way. But no matter what it is, God is praised and God is worshipped anyway. That's what really matters. The letter killeth, the, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. So sometimes the letter, do this, do that, do that. That's not what God is interested in. Dear mommy, if a man or husband falls victim to a princess of darkness, how can he be delivered or redeemed? He admitted the affair, but we believe she left him a spirit because he no longer loves or appreciates his wife and is causing misery to his heart, wife. I don't know whether you are talking about somebody. You are talking about the situation I talked about. How can he be saved? Apart from us praying for him, is there something he needs to do himself? Well, yes. I believe that many of the things we are delivered from, God does it without consulting us. Because the Bible says, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. So it's not everything that you are supposed to do in your might. You are not your own shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. If the Lord were to give you the responsibility of being your own shepherd, you wouldn't even sleep. The demons you will see. The archangels of hell, hell that will be around you. You can't manage it. So we must learn to trust in God's power, trust in his light, and trust in his ability. Now this guy had been spoken to by God that this thing that you are doing is not the right thing. But he had to go through a deliverance session. I mean, a deli- um, manifestation session to see that the girl was demon possessed I believe that demons can be cast out sometimes through prayer and fasting because Jesus said this one does not this kind cometh not out except through prayer and fasting so sometimes when you are fasting you think you are praying for other things but actually a deliverance is occurring and prayer also sets you free the name of Jesus sets you free so many things set you free but After you have delivered, you've been delivered, you must fill that void or that place with good things. Because that demon that was sent out in the Bible, it came back with seven more demons, more evil than the previous one. Because he came and found the place swept and everything. There was no problem. But it had not been filled with anything. You need to fill your heart, your life with the word, with the things of God, so that when the demon returns, which he will, he will find out that there are new occupants. And that the house is under new uh, management. And therefore, there will be no room for the demon. What, What should this boy do? I think that he must pray and ask God for deliverance. He can be prayed for. But above all, he must learn to flee. You see, when the girl came, he was having a long conversation with the girl. So, so why are you? So I said, I'm leaving you. And then the girl now jumps on you, becomes strong. 
The Bible says flee youthful lust. He didn't say negotiate youthful lust. He didn't say explain youthful lust. He didn't say explain with diagrams. But many of us, we explain. I went for a daughter, you can make it in a city. And I was talking to the pastor at a, a pastor's fellowship. And then he told me, he saw some girls, and I forgot the details, but he, the girl called him, Pastor, I need counseling, whatever. And then when he went into the room, the girl was topless, sleeping on her bed. And then he, the pastor, also took a seat and sat down and said to the girl, he was telling me, oh, why, oh, oh, why, why, what are you doing? Oh, try and wear your blouse. What? Immediately he started the story. I said, stop right there. I am very, very angry. What you are saying? And the wife said, Lady Reverend, say it. I've been telling him, say it. So I said, what do you do? I said, oh, I told her, oh, no, what are you doing? No, get up and dress. Put on your blouse. And then I said, then what do you do? I opened the Bible and I started to share with her. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I mean, how naive. How simple-minded can you be? So I told her, I said that, do you know what fleeing means? It's between flying and running. And that, let him who thinks, he said, ah, it didn't occur to me. I said, then you were enjoying the free show. It's very, 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 very serious. In fact, I faced him with everything within me. So the Bible says, flee. But some of you, you are rather going deeper. And then when you finish, you say, it's the princess of darkness. You are going deeper. You have to become like Joseph. Sometimes you even have to run away naked. It's better to go with the shame than to fall. Because when you fall sometimes, God will forgive you, but it will change your destiny. Amen. So I think that this is something you ought to have done. The Bible says, flee youthful lusts. He didn't say that. Try and wear your blouse. Okay, let's share a scripture. Look. Thank God he didn't fall into sin. And the wife was saying, you know, I've been telling him. Listen. Hmm. So he can be saved by being sensible. Joseph fled. And that was Potiphar's wife. Eh? A very powerful woman. You, this foolish girl at the Bronx. Leave her, okay? As a young single sister, how do I find a good, dedicated Christian brother? I would say that this is a whole sermon. There are things I've preached about how to be found and how to be marriageable. I think that a lot of it will answer all these questions. You know, because I will not have the time to go through everything with you. How to be found and how to be marriageable will answer your questions. One of the things I say is that you must go to a place where people meet and people congregate. And you must be ready to be sociable because Rebecca, she was found at the well where people come to. You know, and Abraham's servant had come there. And then also she didn't just stick to herself. I'm minding my own business. Oh, sir, what can I do to help you? Can I get you some water? What about your donkeys? Whatever, you know. But of course, she didn't have the aim to trap somebody. But she had the heart to just be who she was. Do you understand? So when your aim is just to trap somebody, there is a difference. 
But I think that sometimes we don't use wisdom. You are not friendly. We can't say hi to you. You are not approachable. I say about Abigail that she was approachable so her servants could tell her what was happening in the house. But some of you, when you are madams, you are not approachable. No, hey, nobody below you can speak to you or relate to you. You are high and mighty. You are high and lifted up. Do you understand? So I talk about all that and how to be found. And of course, you may be a Christian sister, but you must learn how to look nice. You see? As for you, everything that has outmoded, that you are now wearing. Do you understand? Every day you are doing complex things that are not nice. Complexity doesn't mean niceness. Do you understand? It's complex, but it doesn't mean it's nice. When you are coming, we feel that you are so crowded. Everything is so... So learn also how to look good and how to look nice. And then I would say that most of us, by the grace of God, found our husbands by just serving the Lord. But when you are serving the Lord also, open your eyes. Because I would tell you. So I would say that, but I would say that it's not all the time when you've done everything that you'll get a husband. Sometimes the good people even don't get husbands, but the some way ones. Do you understand? But the Bible has something you call see, the flower of your age. There's a certain time when you are a flower, all the bees are coming. It's not going to be there forever. But some of you think that it's forever. Somebody will tell me, Lady Reverend, me, I know. When I look in the mirror, I'm very beautiful. I can tell that I'm very, very, very beautiful. But whether your beauty will last. From him, 44, you may be going to 52. We don't know. You know, so I, I think that God does bring people, but usually we don't cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So we don't like it. One of my friends said he didn't go to the right school. When I asked why, she said that, you see, uh, from one to five, he went to Accra Academy, which is a school in Ghana. But six from he went to a surgery. So I don't think. Then I said, oh, but is this a point? I told my husband he was very angry, so he summoned the sister. What are you, how are you thinking? How are you thinking? Don't you see? Today she's married happily to this Osei graduate. So, the things that we even fuss about, they are not necessary. So may the, the Lord bless you in your season. What are some of the things single independent females should look for when choosing a husband? independent, then you are not a candidate for marriage. Because the Bible says, wives, submit unto your own husbands. So if you don't have that spirit of submission, then I think you should become like Rospero. Just become an independent candidate with no party. You stand on your own. Because marriage makes you very dependent. And so many decisions that you would have taken on your own. You now have to ask somebody. Eh? I'm going here. What do you think? I don't think you should go. But when you are single, you take your bag, you are off. Free electron. So independent female must learn to become dependent. Amen. Independence is good to some extent. But step one is to lose your independence. Because marriage takes two. Do you understand? My Bible says a man shall leave his father and join, be joined to his father and they shall become one flesh. 
So always look at who you are being joined to because it determines the direction in which you go. But I think how to be married and how to be found will be good messages for you. If a husband does not consult his wife in decision making, what should the wife do? It is, you should join the rest of the wife. In the message, the woman of good understanding. You see, there's no example the Bible doesn't give us. Abigail was somebody who was not consulted by her husband. When David came, asked for food, he insulted David, he won't give David. He never said anything to Abigail. And that is one of the most painful things for a woman. Because when she's not up to date with what is happening in your life, brothers, she feels left out. It's not because she wants to do anything with it. But she just wants to feel a part of you. Do you see? But also there are some women who behave like that. They don't involve their husbands in anything. One sister bishop told me, this particular sister, the husband said that every holiday she plans, she plans it on her own. She's going. Every holiday. She does not add that. And the husband will be saying, oh, what about me? Oh, can't we go? Because she has made her plans already. Do you see? So if he doesn't consult you, first of all, I'll say you are not alone. Number two, I would say that there's nothing new under the sun. And God gives us examples like Abigail's to help us to know what to do. Number three, I believe that God sends other sources of information that come to you about your husband and about what is happening. Because Abigail was, she didn't search for the news. It just came through the servants. But because she was approachable, the news came. And then when she got to know his decision, she didn't enter into a bout of exchange of uh, insults, trading accusations. It would have wasted her time. So she just took a timely decision, saddled a donkey, took some food to save her own husband's life. And it was after she had come home. Even then he was not sober. She didn't speak. It was when he had gotten over his drunkenness that she told him what she had done. So some of the decisions, he may not consult you. But when you get to know about them, you to do what you can do to help the situation. Amen. But many of us would have said, oh, well, he didn't tell me. Eh, David should just come and kill all of us and he will see what happens when you don't consult your wife. And then also find out why he doesn't tell you. Sometimes there's no malice. He just forgets. So when that happens, you have to find a way of always informing the person. Find out why he doesn't inform you. Usually it's not with anything malicious, but he just gets carried away. So make an excuse for him. Instead of making third world war. You never tell me anything. He doesn't have any, even in law, if you don't have a bad intention, it's not a crime. Do you understand? So intention and motive is everything. So ladies, be softer judges. Eh? And find a better way of... And also, sometimes when we are not told, we don't want to ask. It's like, if you don't tell me, be there. I'll also be here. You know? But just come without being accusatory and say, Hey, I hear you are going for daughter. Is it true? <laughs> oh, yes, it's true. I thought I told you that, whatever. And then, love believes the best. Love does not believe that he's hiding. He doesn't want to tell me. I'm not important to him. You see, we read into things, the meanings. And that's where the problem comes. So let's think about the right things. Hallelujah.
You've just finished hearing this message and I cannot leave you without giving you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. You want to say, Lady Reverend Adley, pray for me. I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I'm not sure of where I will go or my destination. I want to make things right with God. I want to start afresh with God. I want Jesus to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. If you want to have Jesus as the Lord of your life, I just want to invite you to say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus. Take my life and come inside and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming to die for me, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. And thank you that by this prayer, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, come in and be Lord of my life. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the CDs and DVDs advertised on today's program, or to find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.